Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hi everybody, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the Nerdlogs Presents Your Stories October 2014 podcast, featuring the theme, Our Lips Are Sealed. For this episode, we welcome some special guests from the upcoming sci-fi comedy web series Space Happens, as well as red-eye columnist, comic book author, and great dude Elliot Serrano, whose tale you'll hear in the next installment, and it's really, really good. Uh, this time out, enjoy stories from Space Happens' Deborah Kraft and Mel Fox, Nerdalog's friends James D'Amato and Nora Seidman, and returning Emeritus group member Bill Kenkel, as well as music from Dwight Hassler and Claire Friedman. Uh, you might notice my name is absent from that list. Uh, that's because I was on vacation for this one. It is the first Your Stories I've missed in three years, uh, which is really weird, but Claire and Dwight did a fantastic job in my absence. Uh, and I'll be back for next month's show, which just happens to be this Sunday, October 19th, at a special new location. Uh, for just this one month, we'll be recording at the Black Rock Bar on Damon and Addison in Chicago, still at 7pm, still free. Our theme will be Heartland, and we're featuring some very special guests from Midwest Action, a great group of musicians, artists, and otherwise creative people based in Chicago and Cleveland. I'm really excited to have these guys at the show. Uh, I know it's going to be a fun time. There might be a little more music than usual, which is always awesome. Uh, so come check out the recording and share a story if you're inspired. Uh, as far as other cool stuff the Nerdalogs are doing coming up, keep watching our website, Facebook, and YouTube for weekly video releases. We're working really hard on some weird and funny stuff that we hope you'll enjoy. Uh, we also, of course, have the many podcasts in the Nerdalogs family, including the Nerdalogcast, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, and Talking Games with Tim and Clayton. All of these shows are available on our website, www.nerdalogs.com, and on iTunes, always for free. So get to enjoying them. Uh, but first, listen to this. Uh, so our theme tonight is Our Lips Are Sealed. Um, so I believe we're starting with the most literal version of that. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Here we go.
is uh so my uh obviously uh, for me it just meant like here's a secret and uh i don't put a lot of thought into the songs i pick <laughs> 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 uh so if you guys know the words please sing along things off with uh, people that we know that are in, from the Nerdalogs, and uh, our, our good friend Bill is here tonight from out east, uh, so everyone welcome the Emeritus member, Bill Kenkel. Yay! Hello, everybody. Uh, it's been a... Hi! Yeah. It's been a... 
damn long time since I've done one of these. And I came up with this on the walk over here, so lower expectations accordingly. <laughs> uh, I think I want to talk about my personal interests, which are, uh, in, in rank order significance, science, my family, and World War II. Um, uh, this all goes back to my grandfather, who instilled in me like sort of a love of weird old shit and... Um, slightly autistic obsession with military history. Uh, he was somehow a high school dropout who ended up working on uh, the NASA project to put people on the moon alongside like Werner von Braun and other like captured Nazi rocket scientists. Which <laughs> I really still respect. <laughs> Even when he can't figure out his email presently. <laughs> Um, so, in my high school bedroom, I remember, for, for no discernible reason, having a poster on the wall for like, old World War II propaganda that said, uh, it was a picture of a drowning man, and it said, someone talked. Which is a reference, yeah, because that's a cool thing to, like, wake up to every morning. <laughs> or to, like, put out in your streets during wartime to inspire people, like, whoa, hey, guys, like, drowning people, like, your sons and husbands. Uh, <laughs> World War II. Uh, so that, and that was a reference, of course, to uh, another propaganda poster, the, the famous, like, loose lips sink ships. So fast forward, I have, like, followed in some footsteps, and I've ended up in, in research in, in biological science, which I talk incessantly about, so <laughs> sorry. Uh, but I really like to talk about like the science, uh, the culture and society around science and, and the state of, of things right now. Uh, and so as, as just a need to scratch a creative itch, um, for a while back I was doodling uh, at conferences because I was bored. And uh, I ended up drawing a series of like um, World War II style propaganda posters for science. And one of them was Loose Lips Sync Manuscripts. Don't share preliminary data. <laughs> and, and I liked it. I got to draw my little drowning god. Or no, it was it was like a postdoc like slumped over a table and like oh, it, was, it was a thing. Uh, so I drew these posters and I put them online for like other scientists to see, and they were, and they were like. Well, that's kind of harsh. Like, don't share preliminary data. It's like, yeah, you, you got the job, the joke, that JPEG. Like, congratulations. <laughs> uh, and what, like, the point of it was is like to emphasize this sort of like wartime mentality that we have. And I don't know if you guys like sort of know this right now, but like, it sucks being in science. <laughs> Fucking stay away. Uh, it's just. I get these undergrads in the lab, and they're, like, all bright-eyed and, like, bushy-tailed. And I'm like, so what are you guys going to do? No. No, you're not. <laughs> like, just, uh, and, and I feel like like a super downer, um, but I feel like I need to, like, share with them, like, what was not shared with me, which is uh, just how, like, difficult the, the funding situation is, which is, like... Says all sorts of weird, fucked up shit about our society. That, like, we have gone 40 years without putting a man on the moon... Just cause. Uh, it, I wish it, I was just for like a TED thing, and I could like put one of those like incredibly depressing graphs about like NIH funding. Did I hear an O? Oh? 
Do you know the graph? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Shit is dismal, y'all. I feel like, um, like if I were like the the Sultan's mathematician and I saw the Mongol horde at the gate, I'd be like, guys, don't go into algebra. Like, study boiling oil. Study something we are going to need because <laughs> science, as we know it, is like it's going to take a little hiatus for a second here. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, where was I going with uh, World War II? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, uh, they, they took something like 2% of the entire nation's energy supply to fund the Manhattan Project. And then that same guy, this, this dude, this fucking killer dude, Vannevar Bush, read his Wikipedia article, because he is just like bow-tied up 20th century science incarnate. He, uh, he, he spearheaded the Manhattan Project, and then he started the NSF, the National Science Foundation, and he, along the way, came up with the Memex, which was basically a smartphone in 1940. He was like, this would be a really good idea. You guys should invent that. Like, you've got about 50 years. Go. <laughs> um, so I've been trying desperately to, like, to instill in people, like, a... a that fine edge of optimism, like, science is the future, and, like, we're going to need it, but, like, shit is really bad, and you should get a job where you can put food on the table. My little sister is getting her uh, degree in theoretical mathematics, and I said, Jennifer, uh, what's what's uh, the difference between uh, a large pepperoni pizza and a theoretical mathematician? She goes, oh, she's thinking about it, she's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, uh, the pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> So she's having doubts now, so I'm pretty proud, I guess. Um, but uh, there's this like, great NPR series, like, this past week about, like, the pyramid scheme of science, like, how people are dropping out of research and closing down labs and all this shit because of how just, like, like institutionally unsound the whole fucking system is and, uh, uh, and how terrible funding is for Republicans um, because... <laughs> This horrible graph that you know. Uh, and all my colleagues were just like, oh, this fucking, this news, I don't want to deal with it. And I was like, no, guys, this is good. Like, we know this. We know this horrible fucking graph. But, like, now it is getting out there. And there's a possibility that things could change as, like, as this message permeates out into the world. So I like to hear the bad news now. So I, I want to, at least in part, that's with optimism. Like, yeah, yeah, things are bad. But, at least now we know how bad they are. <laughs> um, so hopefully, this is the low point, and not, not the beginning of a second Dark Ages. But, you know, invest in blacksmithing nonetheless. <laughs> uh, and, and hopefully, with enough anonymous drones, like, like grad students and undergrad researchers and postdocs, we will, we will trudge through this, like, um, like, like hordes of Russian peasants on the Eastern Front. Oh, we miss you, 
Bill. Uh, next up, we have a, a new friend of ours, and one that we hope uh, keeps being our friend, even if he gets... Let's try and wrap this into World War II. Uh, even if he... I don't know the contingency. Oh, uh, I don't know. Gets massacred in Berlin. James Amato! <laughs> There goes my plans to travel to Berlin, you guys. <laughs> and now let's see if I don't get massacred on stage because this won't start up. Okay, here we go. Uh, so I spend a lot of time uh, thinking about lying to children. <laughs> uh, my friend Kat and I used to pass time in college imagining what it would be like to raise children and what sort of nonsense we could fill their heads with. I personally want to have a closet with a false back to it that opens up to a room containing a superhero costume displayed in a glass case, uh, you know, Batcave style. And I'll pad that out with uh, a lot of newspaper clippings of different thwarted crimes. Cat uh, wants to own a library full of foreboding leather-bound volumes uh, and will instruct her children never to look on the top shelf. When they eventually do, the books will be full of incomprehensible occult imagery written in arcane languages. <laughs> there will also probably be a false journal containing accounts of Kat's adventures battling the netherworld. <laughs> uh, there are some people that say that's harmful to children to tell them elaborate cultural lies, that perpetuating myths like the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and objective journalism will somehow create... <laughs> unrealistic expectations for children or create distrust between parents and children. Uh, I am really not convinced by that. Uh, I really distinctly remember it, remember when I discovered that Santa Claus was not real. Oh, uh, spoilers, I guess. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, it was Christmas morning, and we were opening a big present that was addressed to the family from Santa. My sister was tearing back the wrapping paper, and it was a printer for the family computer. The very printer that I witnessed my father purchase from an electronics store weeks before. Uh, I was struck by a few things. Uh, there was the obvious disappointment that Santa wasn't real. I had already come to terms with the idea of magic not being real, the fact that Santa did not seem to visit any of my Jewish friends. <laughs> and the inevitability of death. Uh, so all of the elements I needed to debunk Santa were in place. Uh, at that point, uh, I didn't really believe in Santa so much as hope that Santa was real. And in that moment, he fully swipped, uh, slipped into the oblivion of things that never truly were. And what upset me, and the thing that I am still kind of disappointed about, is how easy it would have been to keep up the game. The mistake was so careless. It was as if I had followed, like, it wasn't as if I had followed my father when he slipped away to buy the printer. I helped him pick it out. Everyone has gone to so much trouble to keep this story alive. Millions of dollars are spent making movies about Santa. Thousands of actors portray him in malls. Hundreds of Yes, Virginia performances go up every year. Hell, the U.S. military allows NORAD, an utterly joyless war relic... <laughs> 
I like that Fanzanora out in the audience. To track, yeah, to track the character's progress on his trip around the world. But the weak link in the chain was my father, who simply <laughs> forgot to keep his story straight. And what upset me was the lack of effort. I really like fiction. I like this impulse to make manifest the fantastic. And I think a lot of innovation is driven by a lack of satisfaction with a mundane and even harsh world. And giving children Santa gives them a glimpse at a world that is better than the one that we live in. And I do think there that does have a chance of breeding discontent. But I don't think that discontent is a bad thing. So... Okay, ghost. When you have the stage, you can talk about things, but I'm talking right now. So I guess what I'm saying is that years from now, when my children are in therapy, because their father is a pathological liar, uh, it's going to be because my lips were sealed. So thank you, guys. From Space Happens, uh, which you can find postcards for outside. It's a web series that I'm sure they will talk more about and tell us some, some cool facts about. Uh, next up, we have Deborah Kraft. All right, stuck in a corner. Sorry about that. I'm going to use the uh, music stand here because I'm a reciter, not an impromptu storyteller. Okay. In thinking about the topic for this evening's uh, little stories, I had a hard time coming up with anything because I have a mind like a steel sieve. <laughs> I, I don't hold on to secrets, anything except spoilers for Space Happens, which I will not tell you about <gasps> because I've signed an NDA. <laughs> so, um, so, but there is one secret that I can share with you, and tonight, then, I'm going to tell you what no one else in the world knows. It's the longest-held secret I've ever had, secret of four-year-old Deborah. Uh So let me set the scene. Beautiful summer day, birds chirping, blue sky, puffy clouds, no school, perfect. Go outside and play, Mom says. So my brother, sister, and I happily oblige. Matt, Becky, and I zip to the backyard to play. I'm toddling around after them. They swung on the swing set played time machine in the blackberry bush, and made stew in the rainwater trapped in a tractor tire pseudo sandbox. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I stood beside the swing set, too slow to secure a swing of my own, got stuck behind the blackberry bush, and was therefore too late to the old tire, arriving just as they grew tired of that game. Hey, let's play in the log pile. Now, the log pile was, creatively enough, a pile of logs. (laughs) It's a pile of logs I had already been told by my mother, nonetheless, that I was not to play in until I got older. You younger kids know how that feels when you hear that. Not until you're older. So I ask you now to put yourself in my shoes. Already, on this most glorious of summer days, I've been forced to bear witness to the fun my brother and sister were reveling in. To bear witness to, but not to participate in. I was too slow, too little, too young to join them. But at that age, 
All I could understand was that Matt and Becky weren't letting me play with them. And now the log pile? Glorious Mount Log? (laughs) Which I would one day scale as a mountain master, dodging lava all the way to save the princess or something? I wasn't even aware they had permission to play in the log pile, so the injustice was just too much to bear. Mom! Matt and Becky are playing in the log pile! I slammed my way through the side door into the kitchen. That's okay, sweetie. They can do that. (gasps) But they won't let me play with them. Well, then you'll have to find something else to do. Oh. (laughs) Her betrayal washed over me like a greasy fog. (laughs) I flung myself back outside to confront my siblings, rounding the garage. My feet fueled by fury, I was stopped dead in my tracks. Heartbroken and struck dumb, I gazed upon the biggest treachery I had yet to experience. Matt and Becky had completely dismantled Mount Log. Logs lay strewn about the backyard like so many tater tots on a baking sheet. (laughs) Stunned to silence, I turned on my heel and ran to the front yard. I'd never felt so defeated, so disappointed. I sat there in the front yard, comforted by the fact that surely they would soon start to feel guilty. In my mind, they would come racing around the house full of tears and apologies for their crass disregard of my feelings. They would find me dead under the maple tree, dead from neglect. I was four, their wails of sorrow resurrecting me in some small degree, but then followed by abject apologies. It would be perfect. An eternity seemed to pass, for I finally gave up that tactic to appeal to them again in person. So I ran to the backyard only to be stopped dead in my tracks again. I gaped. I actually gaped. What I expected to be the scattered remains of Mount Log instead proved to be the coolest log fort ever. I mean, holy shit, it was awesome. It had a door. A door. There were levels. I mean, there were separate rooms. It was just this... Even today, I'm in awe of the engineering masterpiece put together by my own kin. I mean, it was just going to be awesome. So I hurried to the door, which was just the metal thing off the grill, you know. Um, And I opened it. I was peering inside. Oh, my God. Best day ever. Starts right now. Matt, my brother, hunched inside. He spins on me. Go away, Debbie. You can't come in here. This is for us. You're not allowed. You're too little, Debbie, said my sister. I felt my heart break again. I felt the rage start to bubble up. I may have seen red or green, whatever color. I saw it. (laughs) No, I didn't pass out or anything, but literally the next thing I remember, it was later in the afternoon, and I found myself once again in the now deserted backyard. I'm creeping up toward Fort Log. I open the grill door, checking around me, hidden adversaries. I scoot in on my hands and knees. I crawled into the tiny front room and then into the tinier back room. Oh, I was going to have so much fun in this forbidden fort. No one could stop me now. Pick up a stick and I push the dirt and I poke at a wall and then I poke at the door and thunk. It fell. <laughs> this is when it hit me. Uh, they had had fun without me. 
They destroyed Mount Log and kicked me out of Fort Log. The only natural next step was for me to ruin their fun the way they had ruined mine. I was going to destroy Fort Log. So I crawled out of the fort, kicked at one of the supports near the doorway. As it tumbled inside this paragon of youthful engineering, it took a piece of the ceiling with it, like a giant Jenga game. Each kick and tug created a domino effect of destruction, and before long, Fort Log was nothing more than Log Mound. What my brother and sister had spent the entire morning building, they would never again be able to play in. I had my revenge. I had been vindicated, and I felt ashamed. (laughs) Oh, oh, the shame was just instantaneous. It was nauseating. They could never know. They could never know it was me who ruined their fun. No one had seen me commit the final act of destruction, and all I had to do was keep my mouth shut. No one could ever know. And so it came about that my closest held secret was born. I destroyed Fort Log in a fit of jealousy and rage. For 32 years, my lips have been sealed. (laughs) Until now. Matt, Becky, if you're listening, it was me. I did it. I'm sorry. (laughs) But if you really think about it, it's all your fault. Sorry. happens it's too late to back their kickstarter which you totally should have but it's not too late to watch it they're just starting filming now so i uh keep an eye out i'm sure that we'll be posting to all of our social media as soon as you guys uh start posting episodes so yeah keep us updated uh our next uh speaker is a friend who we've had for a long time please welcome nora So the old joke with Nerdalogs Your Stories is that this is essentially nerd AA. <laughs> so, I, so I would like to start this off by saying, hi, I'm Nora, and I love gossip. I love everything about it. I love knowing everyone's business. I love telling other people everyone's business. <laughs> and uh, just, it's all wonderful. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Mostly. I'm like I'm not I'm not quite so much into just the like he said, she said, and like this person that we know hooked up with this other person that we know, although that's wonderful. <laughs> that's not the best part of it. And um more for me at this stage of my life, I'm thirty and it's more a love of um psychology and just knowing like Oh, so this one friend of ours told this one other friend of ours what the relationship with his parents were when he was growing up. And therefore, now that he has this girlfriend, now we like get to dissect his whole relationship with women. Like it's 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 just fascinating. And that that kind of stuff is literally 75% of conversations that I have is just like dissecting everyone's like childhood and how they relate to each other. And uh, so that's one hand. And on the other hand, it's just easy. 
I am one of five siblings in my family. I found out uh, when my brother got divorced, found out from our mom, uh, when my then ex-sister-in-law got re-engaged. I just found out through Facebook. I don't, I don't even know if she like understands that we're still Facebook friends because she doesn't, <laughs> we don't talk anymore. But I found out related to my mom who then related to my brother. And like that became a whole topic of discussion for a little while. Um, my aunt has health issues. And I think I found out literally everything about it through my mom and just showed up at my aunt's door with like soup and flowers to like chat with her about it. But we never had to have the whole like her calling me and saying what's up and all that, which is just takes so many steps out of it. It's so easy, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> in short, if we ever, you know, if anyone ever has something that they need to talk to me about, like, if it's a secret, I am able to keep secrets, I promise. Like, just let me know that it's a thing. <laughs> shouldn't be. And my lips will be sealed. <laughs> but honestly, what's the fun in that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do the exact same thing where I need to be told something's a secret. Because uh, what's a secret? <laughs> They're just words that surround my that I want to talk about with other people. So like, whatever. <laughs> uh, Sawyer's not here, is he? He is not. Dummy. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> Right, Sawyer, I called you a dummy in a loving way. Uh, next up, we have another member of Space Happens. Just so you know, everybody from Space Happens who's coming up on stage tonight is an actor, writer, and producer of the series. You're seeing people who are so involved in it. It's amazing. Uh, next up, we have Mel Fox. <laughs> my first time doing like casual public speaking I've done professional stuff before like I've trained a room of like 60 to 100 people on a program and then all of them forget it the next day and then they call me for support (laughs) (laughs) who else works in tech support anybody anybody no (laughs) 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 but I mean that that was a while ago but I'm still bitter uh (laughs) So, my topic tonight was actually inspired by something that happened pretty recently. It actually involves Sawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping to be able to call him out, but, you know, of course. I know, right? He doesn't show up. Whatever. So, did anybody else here go to Geek Show? Yeah! Awesome. Aaron, you hosted. Did Get something you. bad happen? No, well, not bad. Oh no! <laughs> it was. It, it just caused a realization. So, before the show, I was standing in line waiting to get into the theater, and Sawyer was walking around with a list. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he's doing. He's kind of just approaching everybody and writing down names. And I'm like, he's avoiding me. I don't, I don't understand why he's avoiding me. So I'm like, Sawyer, what are you, what are you doing? Why aren't you talking to me? Like, why? What's all these names? 
said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm writing down names of people who can play games during the show. I said, all right, sweet. I mean, put me down. You know, I like games. I'm making a fool of myself, obviously. <laughs> uh, and he said, yeah, um, we're trying to get some unknowns on stage, so we can't really use you, but I can put you down as backup. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I'm standing here saying, I'm really torn between being very upset that I can't play games, because I like playing games, and being really impressed, because I felt like a popular kid for once. <laughs> it, you know, it was kind of, it was mind-blowing. Like, teenager me would be like, What? I don't does not compute. Uh, so like, I feel kind of famous now. Like people know who I am. Like I'm on the internet. So, yeah, my name is places. Um, people know who I am. So yeah, I'm, I'm standing here thinking, I'm embarking on an amazing journey with some of my best friends on this ridiculous adventure that is going to be incredibly creative and incredibly nerdy. Yeah, right? I'm really excited about it. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. Ever since that day, I've just been thinking about the fact that people kind of know me. So, what if... Stay with me here. What if I actually get kind of famous? <laughs> like, what, what if I get so famous, people talk about me? What would they say? What would tabloids pay people to say about me? <laughs> That's what I've been thinking about. So, I mean, let's be real. If someone offered you $500 to give up a piece of ridiculous information about me, you'd say yes, right? Yeah. Who, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. So. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'm about to talk about you. No. <laughs> but, but look, if you're feeling conflicted about talking about me, just give me a call. I'll give you something to talk about, and then we'll split the cash. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Under Spider-Man kind of thing. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about Sherlock, too. The way he's like, oh, you should have accepted this bribe from my crowd. <laughs> Yay, yes. Um, okay, but out of the goodness of my heart, I'm gonna give you a few fun facts about me. So if they call, you can just tell them all the shit I've told you tonight. Uh, I have a brother. He's here tonight. There he is. Hi if you approach him, he has many fun stories about me. But I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Ask for money in advance. We're going to talk about this. Uh, honestly, primarily, all the stories are about times when he's antagonized me and how I reacted to said antagonizing. Uh, my favorite story that he likes to tell was the time he convinced me that being a human being was a bad thing. <laughs> I was one year old, all right? <laughs> I didn't know the word. He brought it up, and I was crying and screaming about it, and then I went to my mom and said, he called me a human being. She's like, but honey, you are a human being. I'm like, no! <laughs> I 
very betrayed until she explained it. <laughs> uh, more fun facts. Uh, my very first crush in life was Matthew Broderick in Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Uh, my second crush was on Alan Rickman's voice. Thank you. Uh, it was actually, the first time I saw him was in Dogma. Uh, and it was the, it was the instant at the end of the movie where he walks around Alanis Morissette, puts his hand right here, and she's impregnated. And I'm like, what? Boom, pregnant. What the fuck was that? It was just, it was a moment where I'm like, that can happen? I figured it out later, but it was just a moment where I was like, that makes me feel weird. Uh, and of course, you know, voice obsession with Alan Rickman leads me to Snape. Anybody, anybody like that? No, all right. But, you know, internet being a weird place is... It is. That actually led me to the first time I wrote fan fiction. Uh, Yes, I've written fan fiction, and no, you can't read it. And we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Also, I have a bad habit of sexually harassing my friends. Uh, like, 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 just kind of lightly hitting on them, you know. I just, and they seem to accept it well enough. It was, if it's, <laughs> if it's badly received, I don't do it again. But like, all right, there's a lot of people in here that know me. Show of hands, who have I hit on in this room? One, two, three, four. All right, there's a couple. Still waiting. <laughs> Soon. 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 I've been drinking. It'll get better. Sweet. <laughs> also, you know you're really special if you get a butt grab from me. Just throwing it out there. So, the moral of the story is, if you see me in the tabloids, and it's some kind of ridiculous intrigue of, ooh, she's hitting on this person, it's probably just me being weird with my friends. <laughs> so, you know, those are some fun facts about me. Um, I'm really looking forward to you guys seeing Space Happens. This is actually the first thing I've ever acted in. Uh, so that's going to be... Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. Uh, I'm super excited for you guys to see this. Um, I, I can't thank you all enough for being so supportive. We have a packed room, and I'm, I'm feeling it. So thank you, everyone. How fun, you guys. Uh, how fun. Sounds genuine. I'm not as genuine as Eric Gardot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If I could turn the page In time that I rearrange Just a day or two
For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.